You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to Batuta Advocate Radio Show, recording from downtown here in Batuta. Uh, you're joined by myself, Clancy Overall, editor of the Batuta Advocate, and of course, Errol Parker, editor at large. How are you, Errol? I'm all right. Good, mate. It's good. <laughs> Look, things are changing. Uh, things are changing in our town. Everyone's been aware that Batuta has been a bustling hub of Australian and uh, international hip-hop for quite some time. Mm-hmm. We've got our very own local artists in the shape of MC Beer and Mates. Uh, mm. We've got DJ... Oh, what was his name? DJ Chico Roll. D- uh, yeah. We had he, he actually nearly moved to Brisbane with it. He was the closest yeah. thing to an export. But we've always kept an eye on that world. Previously on this show, we've had some hip-hop authorities. We've had yeah. uh, Cursor, MC. Yep. We've had um, some skip-hoppers, too, from, from Adelaide. Yeah, had um, MC Esso. No, we had, we didn't interview Listen Esso, who you're now mistaking for Hilltop Hoods. We didn't interview them. <laughs> uh, but we have interviewed Howie, which I guess you would say oh, yeah. is a pioneer of um, of all eras, I guess, of Australian hip-hop. And But today we're talking about the new era, and that is why we are joined by what we would call authorities of contemporary hip-hop in Australia. I'm going to avoid saying Australian hip-hop. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Jasmine Nikita, Jade Lafay, and of course, 24 Karat Kev, we've spoken, we've met before. We have. We have history. You've sat in a panel with us before where I believe three years ago the discussion was... What's wrong with Australian hip hop? And you were on that panel. <laughs> I was, yeah. Where was it? Is that the Botany View Hotel or something? Yeah, it was somewhere down the steak and kidney. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> yeah. That was uh, a good night. It Thanks was for a, having me. Yeah, but, you know, I guess that question's been answered. Uh, it has. Since you know, then. It's gone from people who used to rap about things that are pretty mundane, you know, like running out of goon when you're doing goon of fortune and not having enough sausages on the barbecue for when your mates turn up. And, you know, now there's people who are making songs about things that affect them personally. Yeah. And oh, also well. songs about balaclavas and Gucci. Gucci, yeah. Gucci monogram baseball caps. Yeah. yeah. So I want, I want to start with some questions about that. And I'm going to start with you, Jasmine. When did you first notice that Australian hip-hop was something that might appeal to you? Oh, from a very young age. I loved hip-hop. I feel like it's just been in me, in my soul. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to Common, Most Def. These guys will laugh at me because I'm obsessed with conscious rap. Yeah. So I've been listening to well, it for a long James time. James Packer. James Packer's a pioneer of it. Rupert's son. <laughs> he put the money up. Yep. <laughs> Please expand for me. We'll, we'll get into that off there. <laughs> You've seen Secession? It's based on a true story. The, the Murdochs are behind conscious rap. Oh, oh, really? You know that? Didn't What's know the rest? Oh, yeah. No, you're actually not yeah. shit. Yeah, I thought you were talking shit, but you're not. No, no. Rass, yeah, yeah. Was it, uh, what was the record label? Rass? Yeah, they funded one of the labels which put out like Talib Kweli and shit like that. <laughs> no oh, way. Yeah. Not, were, not when, even shit. When one of the sons was in Harvard, he got hooked on that shit. And, that's yeah. wow, hilarious. That's a crazy fact. <laughs> You've been a I slave to that. the man the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on Damn. us. <laughs> Damn, that's awesome. But um, moving closer to home now, you're speaking on, you're all the host of the A1 podcast, uh, The Show on A1, where you are, I guess, in that uncomfortable position of being authorities on on hip hop. I'm not sure I like the word authorities (laughs) (laughs) as our introduction, because that word just makes me nervous. It brings back lots of traumatizing (laughs) memories. It makes you sound like a cop. Authorities and gatekeepers, which I've been accused of. It's intense. 
<laughs> I guess that's kind of us now. Yeah. <laughs> I should well, definitely yeah. not be anyone's role model, but um. <laughs> well, see, no one wants to grow up to be Richard Kingsmill, do they? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just it comes with such a negative connotation, doesn't it? You know, being, being you, or a tastemaker, as he likes Ooh. to uh, to uh, refer to himself as. He's one of my biggest inspirations. Don't but, diss the king. Sure, they're see, looking after their careers here. We're not going to get any hot <laughs> All right. But yeah, tell you're me. safe this time, Richard. Yeah, you're safe this time. Nookie's coming for your job, the Black King's Mill, as, as uh, he described himself on air and hasn't done so since. Um, <laughs> reprimanded. <laughs> when did you guys realise that this was actually something that was going to blow up in Australia? Because there was always, speaking of gatekeepers, there was a couple of, about five acts and they were all, you know, skip hop, mm-hmm. pioneers. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you, like, it happened overnight. I, it did happen. A drill happened overnight in Australia. If you really think about it like that, there was yeah. all of a sudden there was a couple that you saw, yeah. um, and then there was. I think else. it's this. I think it's this next generation of a certain confidence that I think maybe people before us or even people in our generation maybe didn't have so much. Like for me mm-hmm. in school, being ethnic or being you know anything besides white, and if you were to be a hip hop artist, it was almost like you were just really uncool. Mm-hmm. But these days, I don't know. It's like it's the coolest shit that you could possibly do in this Absolutely. country. So it is that like shift in culture and and. The, you know whether it's considered cool or not has definitely changed. I think I think the production style as well has evolved a lot. Mm. The old stuff was a bit more on the boom bap side, and I think you know 2015, 2016 when Manu started really popping off. That's when I think people started making music with less of a local lens. They started mm. thinking more globally, mm. and I think that's definitely happened tremendously over the past couple of years. I mean, the stuff that's coming out now, you know, it resonates in the UK, and I and obviously like guys like Leroy or whatever. They're resonating in the US. So I think it's just like the style is has contemporized a lot and become more palatable for an international audience. Yeah. Absolutely. And then also as we stepped into the digital world that we're sort of living in now, that played a huge part as well. Yeah. Do you think that, that digital globalizations helped? Because you look at something like the genre drill, mm. a lot of people would argue it came from Chicago, and then that's when I tuned out. Chief <laughs> Keith. Next thing I know, it's in Western Sydney via UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that that what's happened here? And and then the UK kind of regurgitated it back to New York with Pop Smoke and stuff. So, Mm. yeah, it's just interesting to see, like you said, how the genres like move from place to place and how they evolve and how they each have their own kind of like quirks and characteristics and stuff like that. Same kind of thing happened with Grime, you know, like Grime and Drill, you know, both heavily popular in the UK. Obviously, um, Grime then came to Australia, you know. Courtney Barnett, our first Grime artist. Yeah. Well, you know, mid two thousands, the grime, the grime thing popped off here, and now you have like you know, um, Japanese grime, you have like you know, New Zealand grime, you have grime everywhere. So, it's just um, yeah, interesting to see how genres evolve over countries and over time. Well, you see, like the same thing happened in this country too with country music. I mean, you had like the original Star Wars, right? You had your Slim Dusties, Kev Carmody's, Balladeers. John Williamson's, and then, you, you, you know, we started having these international stars like Keith Urban coming up because they started to adopt a more poppy sound. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that's kind of what's happened in, uh, in, in hip-hop in, in that it's become like Australian hip-hop has gotten this global audience because we've tapped into things like the London grime scene and things like that? Yeah, I think we've definitely taken cues from different scenes overseas Mm. but i think the key for success is kind of putting our own spin on it because it's like Mm. why would you listen to australian drill if it was like exact carbon copy of uk drill but i think 
what guys like One Four have done, which is really nice, is they've put you know that West Sydney slang on it. They have their own codes of like the way that they dress, the way that they speak, yeah. the the references that they mm-hmm. make uh, to certain areas and stuff like that. Obviously, it's, it has been inspired by the UK, but I think that you know them putting their own little twist on it and saying things that you know people from Sydney will recognise. Mm-hmm. I think that's been the key to their success. Yeah, and I think that like people that are listening internationally have been so intrigued by a lot of the Polynesian artists that have come up because mm-hmm. of the way that they look and Kev, just like you said, the way that they sound. Well, you don't see a twin braid in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. often see it, no. Yeah, when I interviewed one for actually brought that up because it's like the massive perception is like home and away you know when one fell first came out all the comments were like who are they drilling kangaroos or fucking wombats you know what i mean <laughs> that was like chat. yeah that, <laughs> that was like the top youtube comment you know for ages with one four and then it's like people didn't even know that there was polynesians in australia because they're like oh are these guys asian like like yeah. what, what is this like so, we've never seen this before but like mm. you know people don't realize that you know you come to sydney you go out west you, you can drive 45 minutes out west and you won't see you know you'll it'll just be all asians or arabs or polynesians you know what I mean or Africans so it's just um, I think more importantly the music is putting a more diverse reflection internationally of what Australia actually looks like more representative yeah yeah yeah, more representative kind of uh, Mm. look into the Australian suburbs yeah yeah because when I go overseas people are like what the fuck like I've never seen an Asian person talk like that and I'm like well this is just it man Sorry. Same with me being Caribbean. I think we've all, yeah, experienced that going overseas. So it's nice that they're finally getting like a real look into it. Into so that. you would say that Caribbean background, people kind of are shocked when they hear an Australian accent. Mm. And uh, and that, that's probably similar things happening with the music as well when they see this. I mean, admittedly, the guys do dress like it's a lot colder than it is yeah. in <laughs> the, with the sportswear and the hoodies and the balaclavas. Like, because their face gets cold, they have to yeah. wear the balaclavas. So. When the Bri- when the exactly Brisbane why. drill shit popped off, I was like, I swear it doesn't get that cold in yeah. Brisbane, man. And Goodner is hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Goodner's hot and, uh, in the yeah. evenings. It's fucking warm. That's most yeah. people wear footy shorts. Yeah, nah, well, you know, you, if you're out at Goodner, like at first light. In July, it can get quite cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's when they film their clips. Yep. Obviously. I'm, That's I'm waiting for the cheapest. North Queensland. North Queensland to pop off. I'm fucking into that. The North's got something to say. That's what they reckon. Yeah. yeah. They, they should play the halftime show at the Cowboys game. Yeah. <laughs> Cairns and Townsville. Big Polynesian communities up there, and they are doing a similar thing. But it's obvious seems to be kind of the, uh, the, the engine room seems to be Western Sydney. Mm-hmm. And... And why, why do you think that is? Do you think that's sheer population or sheer, you know, multiculturalism? I think it's multiculturalism, but also I think West Sydney has just been such a tastemaker for so many years. Yeah. Even before Drill, uh, we spoke about Cursor before. Cursor was a massive tastemaker in making that mm. whole, I don't know what to call it, but that... Lad rap. Yeah, Adelaide rap, gutter rap, whatever you want to call it. He was the pioneer of that. You had guys like Forte from that area as well, putting on heavy for West Sydney. Def Wishcast were even from West Sydney. So West I, Sydney in, in general, outside of music, has informed culture. Can you, yeah. In the 70s with the cricketers, they were the gold chains and the mullets and that was the Bankstown look. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that spread right across the country too. Like, you know, the, the first Westies that it was in mm. the public eye and now it's kind of, you know, Nordica and resort mm. wear. Well, Cursor has a Nautica deal. That's the craziest thing. Yeah. He's got an official deal with Nautica. Back, you know, 10 years ago, Nautica would have been fucking shying away from this stuff. They would, yeah. But that's like, just showing you how, how popular it's become, know you know, that every brand now wants to be associated that's with it. That's great. Like yeah. Bur- Burberry in the UK, same sort yeah, of thing. You know? they, they, Do we think that it's also a little bit because of like, yeah, like you said, population, but because Sydney does feel like it is a little bit of a hub, like music mm. industry hub, like platforms and things like that. Mm. Do yeah, we think opportunity. That yeah. The opportunities here. So it you is. touched on population. 
I think that's a really good point because yeah. with that population, you know, it's a melting pot of cultures and people, but there's so many people, so so many, you know, and Sydney is the, the money city. That's like yeah. what we refer to it as. So I think when I those think two worlds kind of clash, it plays a massive part. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like one of the biggest sort of boy bands in the world now is from Western Sydney. Those, um, the... Five seconds of summer. Absolutely. Yeah. They're all out of product, of, uh, product of the great Northwest, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're I taking the world by storm. That's Kev's style of music, right? Five seconds of summer. Yeah, excellent yeah. Song. Sort of. You, you fuck and, with uh, that. Yeah, fuck yeah. Half those ACDC boys, they went to high school in Auburn. Oh, I did not know that. There That's a go. cool fact. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not Mick know Fanning that. Mick grew up a long way from the ocean in Penrith. So, <laughs> oh. you know, it's a real engine room. Um, <laughs> when you think about places like, I don't know, Kuma or Wagga Wagga or something, like you're probably not going to have as many opportunities to seal a sponsorship deal with like Nike or some shit. Mm. <laughs> you know, so. Nah, probably not. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it definitely is about being on the ground. Yeah. Do you, uh, we'll, we'll go into that now. You know, not this doesn't have to be necessarily specific to Western Sydney, but who will go around the table? Do you think are coming up, and are going to be household names in the next year or so in, in Australian hip hop? We'll start with you, Jasmine. Oh wow! Okay, household names. I mean, Kid Leroy's. We can just establish that he is there. He yeah, is there. absolutely. Who's next? I honestly see if JC keeps going in the right trajectory and staying out of trouble, I think that his music will take him so far. He's more on the Afro swing tip, which a lot of artists in Australia are getting into at the moment as well, like following suit with like the UK and things like that. They just jumping on that kind of tropical production vibe for a lot of like the deep voiced rappers coming out of Sydney mm-hmm. just works so nicely. Mm-hmm. So JC, one to watch. Yep. But there are a lot of women that are coming up too. Mm-hmm. So I think that Jess B, she's from New Zealand, mm-hmm. international for sure. Yeah, she's got that sound and that confidence. Okay. Mm. I definitely agree with Jazz about JC and he also has a really solid team around him and one thing that I've noticed with a lot of successful artists that have come out of Australia, their team is so important, you know, like, just being in the right places and knowing the right people and just having that right support. Because you can be super talented, obviously, but if you don't have people backing you and helping you yeah. with everything, then, you know, your chances kind of decrease a bit. Yeah, you and can't that's do just everything yourself. That's it. And that's just facts. You know, it doesn't yeah. always have to be a major label, but even just simple things like your manager and your crew and like mm-hmm. people like that being solid around you, you know. So JC definitely, he's in a perfect position for that and he's doing really well. He actually just did a show on the weekend with Haiku Hands, which I think went off at um, Oxford Mm. Art Factory. Interesting, Bill. I believe, yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. I really love that kind of like crossover of worlds. So yeah, it was kind of funny because you saw like JC and DSP and like all of his boys and Lionel MCing on stage and then it's just like a completely pretty much white crowd or like in in a West white crowd but I love that. I think that's awesome. Mm. And, you know, he probably wouldn't have gotten that opportunity if he hadn't kind of just taken that chance and on, the, and front foot, on yeah. the front foot yeah and his team you know put him there so definitely agree um about jc sahil is is another guy he's doing it for the brown boys which i love he's sort of being mentored by the same peeps that um kid Leroy was mentored by and i think he's probably on a similar trajectory but whether it happens i don't know but his style of music and just his delivery like his vocals his his lyricism everything is really really nice so i hope that he'll be the next biggest thing out to come out of australia um but yeah there are so many there are so many on the cards and it's it's crazy like i love all the drillers as well and just their like their passion for that style of music and the fact that it is getting noticed in like over in the uk and in the states as well is pretty fucking crazy so yeah Mm. there's a lot kev kev (laughs) i would say um 
Who should, said, we, who should we be loading money up on for 2022 Hottest 100 yeah. winner? Oh, Hottest 100? No, no. no. <laughs> but I'm, it's, it's, it'll hottest be hard to get hip-hop that mainstream, but it's, um, it's, it's on the way there. Who, who do you think will be a household in the next year? Now that Kid Leroy's done it from the Towers of Waterloo. Mm. Household yes. in Australia? I'd probably say Rops. Mm. I, I really like Rops. been following him for a couple of years. I think it's just, yeah, he's got nice flows, super confident, Super young still, and I think he's just going to kill it. He kills it over grime. He kills it over drill, um, and he's just a nice guy. Uh, I think if he uh, if he sticks to his guns, he's going to be one to watch for sure. Mm. In terms of the uh, the unique look, the bad kind of gangster kind of uh, the closest thing we would have to that genre in Australia. Mm. How is that received? I mean, we're talking about like the Polynesian drillers and and how you know just mm. the fashion sense and the you know their hair was something that people have noticed overseas. But in terms of that, kind of, I mean, I feel like Australia was one of the first on the face tattoos and the neck tattoos, and then the shin tat is a uniquely Australian thing because who else the hell who's wearing shorts? If you, you know? see an Adelaide with shin tats, yeah. just run out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of get those. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, uh, I guess Rob, you mentioned him before, but Cursor was one of those first ones where you know people were looking at him saying, "This guy looks naughty." Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Even though he's not the hip-hop artists we're conditioned to seeing. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, Cursor definitely had... Yeah, Cursor was... um Yeah, he, he posts, like, throwback photos and stuff where it's just, like, baggy Canterbury trackies. Like, everyone in the 2000s had that one pair of Canterbury trackies. Because I used to work at Rebel Sport, yeah? And we used to put ink tags on the Canterbury trackies, which we only used to put on the footy jerseys because the footy jerseys were, like, 180 or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the Canterbury trackies were way less everyone than that. Everyone wants that Parramatta Eels <laughs> jersey. Yeah. you got to put an ink tag on yeah. it. Yeah. Everyone wanted to steal the Canterbury trackies or the Canterbury Adelaide shorts, the real short ones, or the baggy trackies with the, with the white stripe down the side. Everyone used to wear those. You know, obviously, TNs and... and Air Maxes, they were massive in, in the 2000s as well. And then just, you know, stripey polos. You never see those anymore. No, stripey yeah. polos, Nordica caps we talked about before. That was the uniform, you know. <laughs> Not for me, but like that was a uniform you saw at hip-hop shows in the 2000s. That's one of the things that's interesting because all the kind of like, like you were saying, like like the drillers, they kind of wear more slimmer tracksuits, mm-hmm. um, normally all black. But like, you know, in the 2000s, it was all about vibrant, big stripy polos. Everything was baggy unless you were wearing short shorts. Short shorts short is a uniquely shorts. Western Sydney yeah. thing. Like, and it's like fo- yeah. shorter than footy shorts. Yeah, shorter than footy shorts, bro. With the, with the polo tucked in with like high socks. Yeah, and, and, t- and the shaved legs. Like, yeah, shaved legs is a big thing too. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, yeah, I, I mean, it comes down to really like affordability because the demographic and what they can afford, right? Yeah, but once yeah. you know, the, most of the rappers now that are doing big fucking numbers and clocking like mm. millions and millions, like you know, whatever, they're all rocking high end labels. Yeah, like yeah, you won't yeah, see yeah, them. Yeah. You won't. You'll see them on their Instagram nearly every day, like walking out of the Louis V store with like yeah. at least six bags. And yeah. like, <laughs> do you reckon we'll ever see like the snapbacks and the baggy pants and that new boys era type? stuff make a resurgence yeah, that's what, everything's that's cyclical it comes yeah, back all the yeah. Now, yeah, all I want people to start wearing those. snapbacks with a sticker on it still a Larry Bird Boston Celtics jersey what about Errol the old uh, white studded belt <laughs> yeah. no, and the uh, the white loafers too that I used to wear down at the races the square toes yeah, yeah. oh no yeah. <laughs> and the pins general, general admission at Rose yeah. Hill I had Ooh, yeah. a black suit a black shirt and a Bright orange tie and a yeah. white belt and white shoes. Wallet chain, yeah. Velcro wallet. Yeah, it's all coming back. Hair, <laughs> hair up in a ski jump like yeah. that. 
<laughs> Those are the days. Yeah. Yeah. Tara Cash needs a sponsor the show. Yeah, sure. well, Tara yeah, Cash well. tried to sue Matilda Rand because. Oh, no. That's not happening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, did a, we did a story about how old mate gets arrested at the races and gets to wear the same suit to court next week. So. Yeah, that's fresh. <laughs> Uh, during that, you know, coward punch era, big deal. Yeah. But um, you know, we've it's still a thing, isn't it? Just <laughs> there's not just enough media attention on it mm. now these days. I would, you know, our drillers aren't rapping about it. But, like, <laughs> thankfully, it's not uh, Shanks and King hits. <laughs> but you know, we're opening back up, coming out of COVID, right around the country, and this is, I guess, this is a more international level. We've got a few DJs. Here today with us, both of you, really. Mm, yeah. You tell us what you're playing on an international level to get the party moving, because not many people. I mean, a lot of people are starting to, but not everyone realizes that the dance floors are back on. Yeah. In, in most states. Well, they had eighty thousand people at the MCG yeah. for the uh, Melbourne's An- opening up Anzac Day game. So mm. you know, so things are on the mend, I guess. Yeah. yeah, things are on the mend, and we've been playing a couple of shows actually, yeah. and we've got a few coming up. As yep. well, but um, yeah, I play a lot of like ballet, funk, a bit of house music in there, but a lot of rap, a lot of trap, a lot of drill, a lot of R and B, a bit of everything. I'm a, I'm an all over the place type of gal. <laughs> mm, I'm similar. I love my Afro beats, as yep. you guys probably got from before me mentioning JC. But um, definitely a lot of the stuff that's coming out of the UK. AJ Tracy, we've yep. actually got him on the show coming up yeah, soon. I play a lot of music that's, that's from him. That's coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. AJ Tracy. We did. Mm-hmm. That would be the first kind of, I guess, when we go back to household, he's going to be the first one coming into Australia like 100%. that, especially with all those yep. ain't a different, you know, uh, kind of, <laughs> of that wave that you can just hear. You go to any kind of club or bar now, you'll hear something like that happening. Yeah. So you guys have got him. Yeah, we do. It's and a it, big one. And it's kind of funny because, like, when we interviewed him, it's like I watched AJ Tracy come up from, like, back in his heyday but when he used, when he came to Australia the first time I was at his first show and like he was working and talking to a lot of Australians at that point and that really was like before the UK wave and before okay. the drill wave really? so it was just like we knew it was coming at, at that point Do you think point. he might have been informed by what he was hearing happening down here? Nah <laughs> <laughs> Probably I think not. so <laughs> Not yeah. like my conspiracy that uh, Guns N' Roses were a complete ripoff of Australian Crawl yeah. We'll get into that later <laughs> <laughs> We'll play the songs next to each other on YouTube later <laughs> Sweet Child of Mine was an Australian pub anthem. Mm. Just remember that, everyone. I avoided yeah. pubs at all costs. Pubs? Uh, yeah. Some of the best dance <laughs> <My whole> floors. <laughs> I'd be surprised. The Bondi DJ's telling me she's never been to a pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless I'm getting paid to be there to DJ, you won't find me there. <laughs> well, clubs are opening back up too. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to a cold winter of Australian hip-hop. Yeah, mm. and a lot of pop smoke in yep. Central Sea. Yeah, yeah. ballet, ballet. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. A1 The Show. We've got Jasmine Akita, Jay LaFlay, 24 Karat Kev. They've just been telling us, you know, what's coming up and, uh, you know, how tough it is. Life at the top is the authorities of Australian hip-hop and the gatekeepers. <laughs> the gatekeepers of who will and won't make it in this game. Oh so God. thanks for joining us, everyone. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs>